If you'll take your Bible, we'll go to the Word tonight. My scripture text is going to be from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. I lost my place. For in the place... For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Let me read verse 17 again. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If you lay your Bibles aside, raise your hands. God, we trust you. God, I pray that your word hits the mark tonight. That your spirit would work in this house, in this place. That your will would be done. God, we trust you, and I need your anointing. I pray that your, your spirit would be at my back tonight, God. Uh, hallelujah, Jesus, and we worship you. We trust you, Jesus. I'm, you can be seated. My text tonight, my title, I want to speak to us about a designated survivor. My title tonight is A Designated Survivor. And I understand that this scripture text has some weight to it. And from this scripture reading, one could go in several different directions. The, this sermon could be about the sin of man. It could be about the judgment of God. It could even be as heavy and weightful as the death of humanity. One can launch from the idea of man's choice. Choice is what man was given in the garden. Choice is what you and I have today. Every day is made up of choices. You have a choice of the vehicle that you drive. It's what you drove up in because that's the choice you made. You have the choice of your clothing as you got dressed to come into the house of God tonight. Your occupation is your choice. Salvation is... A choice. But tonight, what I want to point out in this passage of Scripture is we have the first example of God speaking directly to man about what not to do and what to expect. Now, we understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration. It's profitable for doctrine. And if the Scripture states something, it's as though God is speaking it, right? So, God's Word is covenant with man. Jesus declares, and Brother Stevenson talked about it Wednesday night, and he declares and settles the written promises of God in the wilderness. When, he, when he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, what does he say? He says, it is written. He points back to covenant. He points back to promise. It's settled. It's written. A covenant is a promise, so... Here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, we have a promise by God of what is to come if the tree of knowledge of good and evil is eaten thereof. So 
One of man's first interaction with God is by promise. So we stand on the promises of God. That's the saints' love. That is the saints' happy place. We love the promises of God. And hopefully tonight I will help you remind us about the promises of God. God's promises are not to be doubted. They're forever settled. God's promises don't have expiration dates. They're as eternal as God's existence. If there's ever been a prophecy from God or a scripture that you've stood on, if God has ever promised the same of your family. You can take that promise to bed tonight but you can also get up with it in the morning and say get up promise. It's time that we talk to our promises. You can bring your promises young people. It would be it would make God proud to say I'm sorry I'm leaving this atmosphere and this impart. Come on promise. Come with me because this is not worthy of the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen. Brother Zach mentioned it earlier, that scripture, yea, is the affirmative. So the promises of God are affirmed in His Word, and in Him, amen. In other words, they are settled. They are promised and they are settled forever. The promise that your situation will be all right. The promise that your health will be all right. The promise that your life, it's in His hands. The promise of destiny. The promise of healing. The promise God knows where we are. Don't doubt it. Let's don't doubt it tonight. We, we may doubt the doctor's report. We may question our circumstances. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. And based Oh, my study and understanding, the promises of God can be divided into two categories. We have the absolute promises, and we have the conditional promises. An absolute promise is not predicated upon anything. It's just destined to happen. Regardless of man's choices, an absolute promise will come to pass. The absolute promises, they are our shouting promises. They are God's love. It doesn't matter what we do. It's there. It's God's mercy and God's protection. It's the idea that no sin shall enter there. See, there's nothing man can do on earth to change the fact that there will be no sin that enters there. It is an absolute promise. Genesis 9 and 13 is a perfect example of an absolute promise of God. The Earth has been flooded. The ark has come to rest. And God gives a rainbow and says that it is my promise the earth will never flood again. See, that wasn't predicated upon man. It was just bound by God's word. Now, a conditional promise from God is one that's tethered to a decision or a choice. It's, it's God saying, hey, if you do this, then I'll do that. That's why he said, if thou eat of it, thou shalt surely die. It was a conditional promise tethered to the choice to eat. It's easy to forget about or lose sight of the promises. We got a word. You, you've probably, several under the sound of my voice, has had a prophecy given 
You've had a word spoken behind the pulpit that you felt like that's just what I needed to get me through. But as time goes on and as life takes its toll, we begin to doubt it. If it doesn't happen soon, we tend to forget it. How many times did the children of Israel forget about the promise as they wandered through the wilderness? Absolute promises. Most of the absolute promises of God I'll talk about tonight are familiar passages of Scripture. Is there anyone who is questioning what God thinks when He thinks about you? What comes to mind when God thinks about us? Us personally. And here is an absolute promise. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you an expected end. Regardless of what the devil says to us. No matter the whisper in our ear. Regardless of the turmoil we feel. It's not the will of God for our lives to be chaos. It's not the children of God should not be about confusion and chaos. You don't have to doubt the intentions of God. Because we've got an absolute promise of peace and not evil. If there's anybody here tonight. Would you be honest enough to admit you don't know where God is? Where is God in my life? Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're not alone in your situation. You may feel like you're walking through your fire alone, but your adversary is saying, who is that fourth person in that fire? Because that is the absolute promise of God. You're not alone. Is there anyone worried? Is there anyone worried about their livelihood? We experience layoffs. We experience the shortfalls of finances. But Psalms 37 and 25 says, Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God's got you. You can never be let down by the master, for he knows what you have need of. Tired, yes. Weary, yes. Weak, yes. Worried, absolutely. But never forsaken and never forgotten. Is there anyone who doubts tonight in their ability to win against the enemy. In today's Sunday school lesson, I talked to my young people about what the enemy appears to look like. And my young people and, and teenagers in general, they deal with uh, temptation in every direction. It seems as though it's rampant more in the schoolhouses. It's everywhere. But our teenagers deal with it head on every day. It seems as though everything that they touch has been tainted. And it started for the good, but it's also been corrupted for the bad. But if they're feeling overwhelmed, and we get sometimes when we're overwhelmed and what we've come up against, and if you recently have felt overwhelmed by the temptation or by life in itself, Isaiah said, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. Every tongue. God is silencing the mouths of the enemies without us ever knowing the tactics, the strategies. The devil is trying to use. They cannot prosper. The devil is on a very short leash, a shorter leash than we give credit for. The weapon you see is being formed against you isn't as big as it seems. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against God. Wallace Ridge, we've got some old prophecies and we've got some recent promises. The devil don't like where we're headed, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. My battle cry tonight, hang on Wallace Ridge, hang on Wallace Ridge. Ezekiel said again, he said unto me, prophesy upon those bones, say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, spring up, O well, spring forth, O well. Sometimes we feel weary, oppression creeps in. You don't have to feel alone because there is an absolute for you as well. Psalms 99, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Your refuge tonight is in God. If you're searching for a safe haven tonight, it's at an altar. Come unto me all at labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I'll throw this in there for those that wonder if there's any other saving name other than Jesus Christ. We have the absolute promise in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Perhaps the most exciting absolute promise we have tonight. That can never be doubted. A shouting promise in itself. John 14 and 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If, I were, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Regardless of your spiritual condition or your state tonight, there's still a place being prepared and it can be for you. You can rest tonight in the fact that there is a heaven. Regardless, someday every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Regardless of age, regardless of status or rank, I'm talking about a city whose builder and maker is God. The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, gates of prayer streets of gold walls of jasper as wide as it is tall a place where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be in any more pain for the former things are passed away a place in scripture in Revelation describes as a city that hath no need of sun neither of the moon to shine for the glory of God did lighten it's time that my generation, the younger generation get excited about heaven it should excite us to know of a place where the wolf can dwell with the lamb, where the leopard can lie down beside the little kid where the calf and the lion are together it makes me think back, my God I'm not a singer but it makes me think back of an old song, says there's coming a day when no heartaches shall come no more clouds to dim the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, a glorious day that will be. 
Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus. Heaven, the best promise of all. And we move into conditional promises. Conditional promises are harder to accept because they require something from us. They require something of us. Everyone here tonight wants everything to work for your good. We want everything that we're going through. Somehow or another, God, you, you got to work it for my good. And God wants to do that, but it is a conditional promise. It says in Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. You see, you have to fall in love with God tonight for God to begin to mold and craft and shape transition and mold things into the good of man that loves him young people I'm sure you like I just a little older desire to live a long life I if the God should tarry I hope to see my 70s my 80s hopefully if God should tarry that long my 90s but Exodus 20 and 12 says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You see, longevity of life is tethered to the respect and honor of a father and mother. And it may not always, always be easy, but respect and honor. Parents, we desire for our kids... I pray over mine regularly, most of the time while they sleep, for them to grow older and choose truth and have a relationship with God. And I have a promise that I can stand on. We know it. We quote it often. It's part of our fiber and our being. But Proverbs 22 and 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. But the promise is there. But we have to train them up. If we're not training them up, we can't stand on the promise and the tether that God will not let them go away. We all want God to give and to bless. We want our cup running over in their scriptures that we quote and we sing about them. But Luke 6 and 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Give is the condition to receive. Give of your life, your time. Give up the world. You want the devil to flee away from your home. We stand in authority. We invoke the name of Jesus. We pray over our homes, our houses. When our kids are sick, we pray. When we feel like we're under the attack, spiritually, we first thing... We pray over our home, and that is according to God's Word. Nothing wrong with it, not discouraging it. But there is a conditional promise of God in James 4 and 7 that says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. We have to submit. There's an altar for that. We want God to hear our prayers, heal our problems, respond to our call. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal 
their land. God is always calling us unto submission to Him. To seek His face and to know His will. My music, if you will come to the platform. If you would allow me to take us back to our scripture text. God made a promise. God made man. God give man choice. The picture is perfect. God created man because he wanted relationship. He wanted that relationship to be out of choice. It was never the will of God for man to fall and to be separated from him. In the garden was salvation. Eden was eternal. It was how God intended it. The picture was right. Because man disobeyed God, there was separation. The absolute promise of God would come to pass. If thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. To be spiritually separated from God is death. But God, knowing the end from the beginning, knew that somewhere a long ways down the road, He would fulfill a promise. Because He had to provide a way for man to come back into communion with God. A way to salvation. There had to be a Messiah. Back in 1947, the U.S. government passed the Presidential Secession Act which establishes a line of secession should the president and multiple people in his cabinet get assassinated. It was intended to help guarantee the continuity of democracy in our government. During the Cold War, the threat of a nuclear attack was at its highest. Russia couldn't be trusted nor predicted. And the government began a process that designated survivors in the event the president and his staff were wiped out. Many of us don't realize it, but every State of the Union address that our president gives has someone not in the crowd. In the year 2019, back in February, the State of the Union, the Secretary of Energy, Mr. Rick Perry, was our designated survivor. He was at an undisclosed location because you see there are some things that's worth saving. They may call you young people on Saturday and say, where were you last night? And you can tell them, I was a designated survivor last night. When there's potential for loss of purity, innocence, then the promise is in jeopardy. When the promise is in jeopardy, the solution to the promise is separation. It's the reason why the scripture says, be ye separate. God is looking for those who want to be designated survivors tonight. Yes, Mr. Designated Survivor, you're going to miss some of the action, but you're going to be safe and well insulated. No, you won't be broadcast for everyone to see, but the promise will still be intact. Jeremiah 1 and 5, Before I formed thee in thy belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Because he designated you as a survivor. If everyone would please stand. 
According to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, there are 76 generations between Adam and between Christ. From death to promise, 76 survivors. You see, the devil has a way of putting the promises of God in jeopardy. Hence, the serpent in the garden. How many under the sound of my voice will admit when the promise is in jeopardy? If sin has in any way gripped your life, then I would say to you that the promise is in jeopardy. Tonight, designated survivors are identified at an altar. Cain made a choice to slay Abel, so God gave us a survivor named Seth. The world became so wicked, there had to be a flood, so God gave us an ark. The promise is always accompanied by purpose. There had to be a sacrifice on the mountain. Abraham, there has to be a sacrifice. But God provided a ram. The purpose was to test of obedience. But you see, Isaac had to live because he was designated to be part of the lineage of Christ. Esau is willing to give it all away, so there has to be a Jacob. Without Jacob, there would be no Judah. There's bondage in Egypt, so God sent Moses. All you had to do to survive Egypt was to apply the door post the blood. The promise. The foreshadowing of the saving blood of Jesus. Saul, I'm sorry, but you can't kill David. He's a designated survivor. No, David's not perfect. But because there was a Messiah tonight, there's forgiveness. This promise is unto you and to your children. Your promise don't have to be in jeopardy. It can survive what you're going through. My sweet grandmother. You see, grandmother, the promise in points of life was in jeopardy. But God had the continuity. There's a third generation and there's full of grandkids today living for God because the promise is not in jeopardy. Young people, some of you, Andrew, you're a second generation. Son, if there's going to be a third generation, it's going to be because you and Marley hold on to the promise. Tristan, you've got grandparents sitting on this pew that the promise can be in jeopardy at any generation. But because of an altar, because of forgiveness, there is an opportunity for the continuity of God's promise. We're all designated to be survivors, but it's conditional upon a choice, even a choice made tonight. These altars are open. I ask, does anybody want to be a designated survivor tonight? Does the promises of God mean enough to ensure that not just with me, but with my children, we can make a dedicated an attempt, a commitment tonight we stand on the promises of God. 
Yea, and amen. Child, you call me chosen, I'm yours. 